2: Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Daily podcast. Look for the whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello and welcome to footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is with us, Josh Landy. He's is he's in an interesting like cubicle type environment today just to uh, just to liven things up doesn't matter to you because you can't see see us anyway Um, but this is a very special episode of Footballist to the Arsenal because joining us for the second time in nine years is absolute Arsenal legend one of my favourite Arsenal players of all the time I'm not just saying that because he's here today it's Paul Davis hi Paul
1: hi good evening guys good to see you hi
0: and the reason the main reason I mean we'd have you on any time obviously any you know any old week you want to come on this podcast, we're we're available. But you have got your memoir out this very week. I think Thursday, is that right? Is it out this Thursday?
1: Yes, Thursday, Thursday, yeah. uh today this week, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um Paul Davis, Arsenal and After, which um you've co-written with Tom Watt, Arsenal legend and writer and journalist and former actor. Um, and the forward is by Mikel Arteta, no less. Yeah. Uh, in a spec- spectacular coup, I feel. I bet Mikhail doesn't just do any old forward for any old
1: book. No, um, sure. and They're it's a again. really
0: exactly it's a fascinating um account, not only of, of Paul's career, of your career, um, as the as the title suggests, at Arsenal and afterwards, but also I think there's an underlying theme all the way through of, of what it's been like to be a black footballer in this day and age, back then, now, and then trying to become a coach, etc. And that, that's a really fascinating element to the whole book, I think. But we'll get to that slightly later because, because this is a weekly podcast. We have to talk about the game that we've just um, experienced at Arsenal. Arsenal's 4-2 triumph over Leicester. Um, what did you make of it? But what did you make, A, a of the first two games of the season, generally, that, that have, could not be more of a contrast to last season? Everyone's very excited. I think the supporters feel very excited about this team about Michael and what he's doing for the for the way we play football etc what's your feeling about the whole situation
1: yeah. at the moment no well, guys thanks thanks again for having me on it's a pleasure to be here uh twice in nine years that's uh yeah. that's something but no I'm really yeah. really looking forward to this and uh, I'm pleased to be on so thanks thanks for having me but yeah this this season I Unfortunately, I didn't see the game on on Saturday. I wasn't there live, but um, obviously um, saw some of the highlights on on TV. I haven't seen any of the the pre-season games either. So I haven't seen a lot, but I've heard a lot. And uh, it sounds exciting. I'm very uh, more excited this time than I was last year this time. Mm. Um, So... Having not seen the players, but seeing clips, I can I can give you a kind of like uh, not not a sort of um, valid view on what I feel, but, but I I think they've bought well. Those the, the um, uh, Jesus and uh, kashenko I think, uh, two excellent buys because they just know what it's like to win, you know, and it's important that you got players in the squad that kind of knows where it's about to win and I think they will bring that uh, the, let alone their ability to that spirit to win and score goals and and, and and that desire to win football matches I think those two have got it obviously being at Man City for the period of time that they have so and I, I you know I like what I saw on the highlights at the weekend because um, I've got goals but look as though we can concede goals as well still <laughs> so uh, yeah um yeah, it looks it looks exciting. Um are we pushing for winning the Premier League? I don't feel so, realistically. <laughs> Not yet. Mm-hmm. But we're we'll we're we're moving in the right direction. I think we're gonna have some exciting games this year. You know, I would expect us to be running close for a cup or two. And um yeah, I think the squad is just needs to be. Stronger. He's they've built it stronger this season. And um yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Mm.
0: Joshua, do you guys it? It, it, it was a bit of a dream game, actually, wasn't it? Because um even though we did concede two goals, as as Paul points out, and and you know, there were a couple of defensive wobbles, but we uh, each time they scored, we came back like literally a minute later and scored ourselves. So it felt like it was almost like a dream game in the sense they never felt to me like we were in any great jeopardy. And I always felt like we could score with our next attack. And it, and just the whole... I mean, like every now and then, I would say, like, for long periods of the game, we were playing liquid football. Like, they're just just fantastic to watch. And particularly spearheaded by Jesus up front, who was just had a couple of mazy runs, incredible. I mean, obviously, the, the first goal was phenomenal. I just thought the whole thing was very, very... Um, exciting and thrilling job
2: everything was incredibly enjoyable and boyd you look resplendent in your black away kit that i can see you you've purchased again something will be lost on listeners but you're resplendent have you got the pink one as well boyd or is it just this no. black one? You've got? just the black
0: right. one the black one's my favorite um design st- strip design for years so i haven't bought one for years and years i get given one every now and then but
2: um of course you do one, you have so to drop that in that you get sent yeah, previous because yeah, yeah. you're so important this, yeah <laughs>
0: this is the first one i bought for years yeah
2: I have to say. No, you look lovely. And, and also I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned the new food uh, op- options at the stadium. Do you see the uh, falafel yeah. kebab, the, the shish kebab? That's your sort of content, Boyd. You haven't mentioned that.
0: No, apologies. Yeah. I couldn't uh, find the, the, the um I couldn't find the falafel option, I have to say,
2: in the oh, um, on a club level. Club level oh, food It wasn't group, a great day then. No. Right. Okay. No. Well, I did people,
1: that. Yeah. So, guys. Just, um, people mentioned about the atmosphere. Did you say you was at the game? The week? It
2: was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Was, Honestly, so, yeah. Paul, I, I know I I think, Paul, Paul, I remember I saw you briefly after the, the Leeds game. I remember you in the director's box. Yes. You and you and Tommy had a bit of chat there. And that was the first day that the London Forever anthem had been played ahead of the game. And, and it did feel like a great atmosphere. Now, Boyd, I don't know what you felt. The anthem didn't quite have the same impact it did well, ahead of this game.
0: It was a bit weird because they played it. They played it um, like the chorus bit, literally between the players gathering, yeah, gathering in the circle and kickoff. That was like about a minute, wasn't there, of it being played. It was just an odd. uh, uh, It was just a slightly odd arrangement to kind of suddenly play that anthem, and then just before kickoff.
2: It did feel it went late, but to Paul's point, the atmosphere was as good as it has been in years. Um, yeah. And there is this section now next to the away fans behind the goal blocks, 25, 26, where it seems to be a very young, kind of very uh, noisy atmosphere, sort of generating all game. And Arsenal seemed to also have this brass band, did you see, Boyd, be- mm-hmm. before the game? And then they, yeah. they came after the game. And even after the game, they'd gone over to that blocks near the away fans to sort of continue the atmosphere um, a couple of games after. you
1: a brass all- band? Yeah, say- it? yeah, it was
2: a brass band.
1: Yeah, a brass like band. Right back or the in the... End. Wow. Yeah. In the coffin. Yeah.
2: Kind of just in front, yeah. I mean, I think they were, weren't they? I guess. But yeah, they, I mean, they I were just going much. around. It was It was a bit of a throwback. And oh, also, yeah. what seems to have been completely gone is the idea of telling people to sit down. I can't tell you how many years I've stood at the, black, the back of uh, Block 12, roadway six. so I'm back row, so it doesn't matter who's behind me, and stewards would forever be up and down the aisle telling people to sit down. They seem to have given up on that now. And... So much of the stadium is standing in the in the lower tier th- throughout the game, um, mm. and yeah, I just think the positivity uh, around the current team is as is good as it's. What is the me.
1: situation with that standing? Because I was talking to someone the other day. Because some clubs are having that, aren't they? We we mm. is, how did, do you know, guys, know how that works? Or
2: well, Arsenal cause... did send out an email. Uh, I think the week before last, saying they're continuing to to look into it that they have. Done a, uh, a questionnaire out to to members, and that there are people that clearly want it, and there is demand. But that would involve moving people to other areas, so they're going to continue to consult. So it was basically an email that said, "We are still looking into this." Now, other clubs do have safe standing areas already this season, um, and and that is in place. Now, what it's still going to be is that there is a seat for every positions from a you know point of view. So I think it's going to be next season before we do see. A safe standing area but it makes sense and if there is a sort of standing area that people choose to relocate to or people choose to remain in i think that will only sort of improve yeah. the atmosphere but to your to your point boyd because i know we really want the crux of this podcast to be about paul and in his career in the book the performance was terrific it felt like we could step up a few gears and if there was one takeaway from the game, it was like, my God, what happens if Gabriel Jesus gets injured this year? Because the level we have gone up from the options towards the end of last mm. season, and I'm sure like you have been catching up on all or nothing and heading into that April and May period that we're about to watch and uh, you know having Lacazette and Nketiah and not being able to go over the line. I mean, Jesus was, it was as good a centre-forward display as we've seen at Arsenal in, in yeah. a couple of years. He could have quite easily had four, if not five, without you know, too much uh, far-reaching and you just have to think now we are, you know, we are on a level where we are going to score, you know, a fair amount of goals. His first goal, I don't know if you've seen it, Paul, but it it was just such a a brilliant, inventive finish. Exciting. Was it a bit like righty? Is it a bit of, is that fair?
1: Yeah, point? that's a good, yeah, I never looked at it like that as the righty sort, sort of player, but yeah, he has got that from, yeah, that game at the weekend, the goals that I saw, um, yeah, righty's got yeah yeah. I, I never thought about it like that, but righty would do things like that. wouldn't he? He's able yeah. to produce Could. just from nothing, and that's what. And he had he got he seems to have this love for the game to play, doesn't he? Just he's running, you know. He, he he's got an enthusiasm that seems to he wants to be playing football. You feel it and that's infectious, like right he was, right. He was exactly the same. Um, and he looks as though Jesus, like he's, you know, he really, he's really looking forward to being an Arsenal player. And yeah, no, it's, it's exciting uh, having somebody like that um, in, in the squad, in the team. Um, the goal scorer, yeah, because that, you know, ultimately, you know, it's about goals. And if you've got somebody like that, he just loves he obviously loves playing, loves scoring goals, uh, but yeah I've never looked at it like he's a bit like Riy, but yeah you're right
0: one of the most surprising <laughs> things I thought about the game and about recent games is is granite Xhaka from midfield is now like like running into the box all the time like he I never seen anything like it in, in you know in, in in since he arrived at Arsenal, and I do you remember when he first arrived i don't know if you remember um Arson Wenger said he was a box-to-box midfield player, and we're all like, is you know, for years we we're like, Where, where's the evidence of that? But now he actually is a. I mean, he scored a goal, and he does seem to be making runs. Been given the license to make runs for midfield mm. to arrive in the box. It's it's a, like a transformation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, yeah, from the clips of the weekend, I saw he, he does seem to have that responsibility now to to get into the box. Um, his roles for me is changed a little bit from last year and like he's uh, he's more on the left hand side um, trying to get forward rather than on the left hand side it's more sitting and trying to control the game so he's 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 been asked to do a little bit of a different role for me mm. um, he seems to be more responsible now although he's still I think he got booked at the weekend but, uh, maybe that's my imagination <laughs> I don't know but I think he, uh, he got booked
0: in the first game. He got booked for diving it? in the first game. He didn't get booked on Saturday. I don't think, yeah. which is a rarity, to be <laughs> fair.
1: Yes, so, but he does seem to. It um, does be seem to me to be playing a more responsible game. He doesn't seem mm. to be rush as rushed as he was, you know, a, yeah. few, a few years ago. And I think he's he's making for a better team play. Obviously, um, last thing as a as a player, one is someone getting booked and sent off all the time. And but he seems to. You know, and it wasn't that long ago that his Arsenal awesome career was over, wasn't it? It's like yeah, yeah. you know, he, I can still remember when when the fans were brewing him, was he did he take off his shirt on um, when he got sent off or took off his shirt and the fans weren't gonna have him again, he was not gonna ever play for us again. Um,
2: yeah. I mean it was not even amazing. three years ago that when he yeah. sort of throws the yeah, threw his arms yeah, threw up in down. the air and uh, put yeah. his- he cupped his uh, his hand to his ear as if to make clear that he could hear the the noise. It was after, I think, he was applauded, Boyd, for being... There was applause that he was being substituted. I only yeah. really remember that. It's very fresh from watching the All or Nothing documentary, where actually, I think, Jacques comes across, you know, really well and that really passionate and that he cares. Um, and, yeah, I think... I,
1: I, uh, unfortunately, I haven't, just... I haven't seen any of that yet, so I'm, I'm kind of a bit behind on everything. I've you know been what, to- you... The, the final
2: episodes are out. I think this Thursday, aren't they? Yeah. So you can just yes. watch the whole thing in one sitting rather than have yeah. to. Yeah. Uh... I think
0: you'll. Yeah. I think it's well. You'll find it fascinating, Paul, because um, there's a big emphasis on coaching on how Arteta okay. coaches Yeah, yeah. that's really fascinating. From that. Yeah. yeah. I think I found it um, really fascinating from that point of view, and I'm sure you will so as someone you worked with him, didn't you? And we will get to this yeah. in the book. But in, the, in in his forward, he mentions how you were key in his coaching development.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come to that as yeah, yeah later on to if you want. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a little. Yeah, exactly. That's a little. Yeah. A little preview. Um, but do you think? Do you, um, do you do you get to many games at, at, at Arsenal these
1: days? Not as much as I used to. One um, because of work and yeah, mainly work really. Um, so, but I do. I do get to games. Uh, last season, I probably went to probably about six or seven. Um, and the club the club are good. So I've got two season tickets, so right. I can use those. got my own season tickets. I've had those since I stopped playing, and I usually take. Well, my sons now, they don't, you know, you ring them up and they say, you want to go football? And they i you know, well, I'm going out with my girlfriend or whatever. So it's like one of those. So my sons don't go as much as they used to, but um, I go, and the club are good. I sometimes I go into the director's box um we have this I don't know if you know they have uh this 100 club yes. um, so yes. essentially if you've played for the game for the club more than hundred times you're part of this Arsenal 100 club and uh with that you you're able to get certain tickets for certain games um so yeah and they, they put you in a box um so that's that's a nice touch for for players that have played over 100 games which I've used a couple of times, so yeah, I, I have been to the games, but not not as regular as as um as I used to. But,
2: but you, you should have also. four memberships for that pool, right? Comfortably, right?
1: Four memberships, for
2: Well, you didn't scrape past a hundred, you know. You should be on. You should be oh, on, right, I see. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, for yeah. British Airways, you can yeah. have a blue <laughs> membership, silver, gold, or like platinum. You should be platinum membership for the yeah.
1: Uh... That, would, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, because um, the number of games. Yeah, if you get sort of. A, treated for the number of games that you've played for the global. Yeah, I'll be up there with uh, sort of the uh, proper VIP treatment. Yeah. I kind of look at my numbers and it, um you sort of reflect when you finish playing and look look at what you've done. And so I suppose that's part of this book really. It's a reflection on, on playing and after playing and football in general. And you and you do get a chance to kind of think, wow, let's sit down and sort of think about what you've done and what What's happened and what's not happened. And I suppose I'm that kind of, I'm at that sort of stage now. It's like a few bit time to reflect and, and make comment on some stuff with a background of knowledge and experience, which maybe, um, before I didn't feel I had, or if I had, I didn't feel that I wanted to share that perhaps. But, um, yeah, those numbers, 446, I think, games, um, is a good number club and i'm proud of that
0: that is that is absolutely impressive yeah well let's we'll take a quick break and then we'll go full on into talking about your book after this break
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And we're back, uh, footballers to the
0: Arsenal, with um, Arsenal legend Paul Davis. So your book is called Arsenal and After, And I remember I had a quick listen to the last podcast you did nine years ago. And oh. one of the things we said to you um, was, why haven't you written a book, your, your autobiography yet? And oh. um, yeah, so what was the you talked about a little bit just now before the break about, you know, ha- ha- having time to think about it. What, what was was there a particular reason or impetus for you to write this book now for to bring it out now?
1: Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. I mean, what you said there was people have asked me over the years, you know, why haven't I written a book? And I've always kind of thought, no, I'm not ready to do that. Um, And I haven't. But I suppose the real impetus was um, the um, Jules Floyd situation, really, and what came out from that, because what came out from the George Floyd situation was that the lack of black coaches. Um, and I've always kind of been, it's always meant a lot to me. I've, I've followed people's careers and I've watched how things have happened, materialised, and I just, you know, a lot of it I couldn't, can't make sense of. But it all come, so the book really, a lot of it has come from that. And I started thinking about the game um my experiences. Um uh and I wanted to document how I feel about that part of our society, that part of football and my experiences from that. And and, and I wanted to kind of leave something, you know, for my, my, my boys really, because they were asking me about, you know, your career, what why did you because in my in the in the sort of main part of my career, they were they weren't even born, my lads. So it's kind of they started finding out things when I was a lot older, and they came to me and said, "Well, Dad, why did that happen? What was that? And why didn't that?" happen? And so I was starting to try and explain things. So I thought, well, you know, there's lots of young boys, and particularly young black boys, will be will gain benefit from my experience. So I was kind of, I was. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Another reason was I'd seen a lot. I experienced a lot myself, and I had had something to say, and I wanted people to hear that. Um, And the book has been done. um, There's no kind of sort of uh, behind-the-scenes type of thing. It's just my view on what's happened in my career, my view on things going on in the game. And that's all they are that you know people will disagree and, and I'm sure there's bits in there that um people will, will 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 probably won't like so much. And I I know which bits I feel as I know which bits they will be. So it might be some controversy there perhaps. But you know, it's my thoughts and it's my feelings. Um and I'm 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 really pleased with with it, um, because it covers a lot of areas, so it mm. covers obviously my career um it covers my it covers my family it covers where they came from um it covers how i got to where i got to and it covers the things within you know so people ask about glenn cockrell um you know we're we'll going that in detail about what yeah. happened there
0: yeah.
1: um my injuries um my fallout with george you know it goes into detail with that sort of stuff why i left arsenal detail yeah. Um so and I think there will be a lot of fans that will be interested in, in that side of it, but the book does absolutely. cover yeah. um, some other parts that, you know, and, I, and because I'm not, I've not been one to speak to the press, generally speaking, or um, I don't think people kind of understand what I've, my life probably they might be interested. I, I hope so anyway. I will be fans. Oh, are.
0: completely. It's really, it is, it, you're absolutely right. There's, there's loads of... Um themes in the book, and um, but also there were, you do completely address all of the things that, in fact, part, part of the, the last time we were on the podcast, we asked you about the George Graham relationship, uh, we, we know, and Glencock, those those famous moments in your career, but you really dig deep into those moments. And it gets quite emotional. I get the sense that it must have been a quite emotional experience writing it maybe to think back to those times when, for example, you know, George Graham... Essentially, banished you from the team, from the first team, got you training with the youngsters for very hardly any great reason whatsoever. Um, the Glenn Cochran incident, when you, you punched him, but you got banned for loads and loads of games, almost unprecedented amount of games. And I guess that it feels quite raw the way you look back at those moments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They are, they, they're still, it's, it's still um, difficult. You know, I've got, you know, I've got, you know, you got over them and you go on and you move on, but there's still odd, odd times. Um, and it was difficult going back. I was surprised how, how much I was lucky because I, I, I had a lot of clippings around. My mum had kept a lot, I'd kept a lot of newspaper clippings. So that really helped me. Um, and I found once I started reading a few, it was it starting triggering memories because one of my big worries was, Remembering stuff, and actually, yeah. I don't remember games um, precisely. I mean, you guys are unbelievable fans are unbelievable. When I when I bump into fans and and they're telling me about games, and I'm thinking, Jesus, I can't remember that game, and they're telling me about the goal, and and um, it's quite it's quite scary sometimes. <laughs> but you know, I, I've got full admiration for fans because they're just so. Detailed on what they know about their club and their players, and, and and a lot of players, and I'm one. Don't remember games in those kind of detail, um, and that's one thing, you know. That, that I found that actual games and detail. I don't know. I remember the, the big games and some some big bits out of those games, but um, you know, not as much as as fans, but. No, the whole process was was um, really good for me. I think I wanted to try and get everything as much as possible in my own words. Uh, that was that was difficult. I kind of read did stuff and then got it back and I read it and I thought, nah, that wasn't me. So there was a lot of, a lot of work that went into it. It wasn't just you know just just get something down on paper and just you know there's a lot of thought and I wanted people to try and get the real me really and hopefully once they read it they will do.
2: Um, Paul I'm interested because you've obviously been retired a a while and yet you're looking back on these moments from your career and I'm doing this kind of process with one of the players i work with, Micah Richard, who's only been retired a couple of years. So it's so much fresher. And even he's struggling to remember little bits and talking to ex-teammates to remember. How have you found the process of, of doing this? But so many years after, did you talk to other sort of former teammates to try and remember? Or yeah. how did you go about doing this?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't. I talked to one or two. I didn't talk to that many, actually. No, a lot of it was... Um, reading the clips, cuttings that I had, uh, Tom and I talking, um, sitting down and, and just talking through stuff, and he'd, he'd record it and jot stuff down, and then maybe we'd come back to it the following week or we'd leave it a couple of weeks and go on to another topic and then came, came back. So th- the main part of it was us, Tom and myself, sitting down, just going through each year. Um, Tom going away, writing stuff down, coming back, and then probably revisiting again. And that kind of went over a period of, I don't know, nine months, eight months. Um, so no, there wasn't a lot of talking to other players. Um I feel I feel that I was I was happy with what I was getting for myself. I was remember I think I think if I was struggling, I probably would have gone to others, but I just wanted it to be my account. Um a lot about what I was thinking and feeling at the time. Um so yeah, it was that was the process. And uh, yeah, it, it, it started off quite easy, got really quite difficult in the tools the end, because I wanted to, I wanted it to sound like myself. Um, um and I still I still feel now it's funny, as far as it's first time I'm doing it, it's like as things I think are oh, I could have put that in I should have put that in on those things that you know you feel that it's never complete is it I don't know if you guys have done books it's kind of like you know I don't think these things ever are complete but I'm happy with what's mm. been done as a by and large and um, I, I feel that it's something that particularly fans of that era and hopefully hopefully fans of the sort of younger age group will will find interesting Um I've tried my main thing was that I was myself and that it's, it's my true reflection and it wasn't, nothing's meant to be, was for sensation, sensationalism or, mm. you know, to dig anybody out or to have a go at any situations. That was, that was really just wanted to get out my thoughts, my feelings, mm. um, about my career and, and, you know, hopefully, people will get something from it and that was it and i know also know that some people will disagree with it but uh, some of it and uh and then that's fine that's that's, that's okay mm.
0: you, you definitely one of the things i said one of the things that the things that, co- that comes up right at the beginning i think even in the first chapter you talk about racism that you faced as mm. even as a kid you i think the, the only black player in the arsenal squad am i right when you yep. when you joined yeah. um and that, and all the way through, you emphasised that, which people will disagree with. I mean, there are still, I think there's, there are still, I, I, there's still idiots today who think that, 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 that racism doesn't exist, you know, and it's all exaggerated and blah, blah, blah. It's all, but you detail that the way you were treated and certain decisions about, in your career, you know, often came down to, I think, racism. And I think that's, that's brilliantly refreshing, yeah. To read you tackle it head on right from the start.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think it's such a difficult thing for people to talk about. It's just full stop. And that's you know, if you start from that basis, um, that is such a difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about. Um, but it's such a a, a a topic that needs to be spoken about, um, and and that's 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 where we're at with it. I think. You know, I just feel that from my experiences, I need I need to share those. I need to share those with whoever is interested to listen. I know uh, I definitely need to share it with my my boys, my my um, boys now in their mid twenties and boys like them. So that was a, a, a big driver as well. So that you know, in years to come, or you know, in even before I've, I've passed from this earth, that they can actually read something and say, "Well, this is what Dad did," or any any young boy can read, "This is this is what went on when when um, Paul Davis was playing for Arsenal." I think one of the things that really um, I didn't really realise until I finished playing was how many people from the black community were actually watching me it's like when you play you're just in that zone of trying to keep in the team trying to keep your place the the sort of competitiveness of it all is amazing in sport you just have to be on it all the time you know there's nothing like it there's the competitive side of it and so i was just focused on that keeping myself in the team winning trophies pleasing the fans that's it and so all what was happening really outside of that was sort of secondary. It was only after I finished playing again, people come up to you and say, oh, "I just, I wasn't supporting Arsenal until I saw you playing, and you know, I followed your career because I could connect with you." Um, and I feel really proud about that because it's you know, you have uh, such an influence on all these people's lives that you didn't realise until afterwards. And also, well, think- the, other, yeah. the other thing that's uh, sorry we look at now, you look at. The makeup of the Arsenal support—it's—it's it's probably the most diverse group of supporters in the country. Or, you know, I would argue with any other club that would want to, you know, dispute that because we have got a good diversity. I don't know—we're in London, but you know, you look at other clubs in, in London. It, then, you know, I would argue that they're not the same. But, and I think that comes from that time. It comes from comes from the song. And actually a lot of them do say that to you. So yeah, but, yeah, so that's because, you know that makes yeah. you feel really, really proud of what yeah, yeah
0: you should be proud, definitely. Because I, I I distinctly remember when you were first, but then when Michael Thomas and David Rocastel particularly joined joined and we had that the three of you, incredible midfield talents. That it was inspiration. I, I remember fe- feeling because I used I, I I used to go every week, every every home game in that period. That was the period that I was, you know, really started going all the time. That the the crowd were was much more mixed and much more diverse. Once you had established a role in the team, I think you were you the three of you particularly were like an inspiration to black yeah. supporters to come to to come to there in Highbury.
1: Yeah. And we didn't realise it at that time. Didn't realise that at that time. But it's like, like saying after I, after I had finished playing, it, it all came, people just came and it was that's probably for me one of the my biggest, proudest sort of thing, you know, having that effect on on people without really knowing it until afterwards. Um but even before uh, Michael and Dave, it was there was Chris White, and a few guys. It was yeah. before, just before your time, I'm sure, but Chris White yeah. and uh, Raphael Mead, um, they were guys that came into the squad when I was there, when I first joined. Um, but before me, before me at Arsenal was um, a guy called Brendan Batson. He played about oh. six games. Black player, played about six games. He left, and then I was, I was the next one. But I stayed, obviously, for, for 18 years. I was there. Um so, yeah, it, I feel really incredibly proud of, uh, of that. Um, and all during my time at Arsenal as a player, I felt, you know, I, don't, I didn't feel the colour was anything. You know, I didn't feel um, unhappy in, in terms of my colour. I just knew I was different. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's lots in the book around the The diversity thing because it's 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 a it's an important topic, and I feel that the more we are comfortable talking about it like we are now and and feel and, and we you know we can all grow and things will hopefully improve.
2: 100% yeah. uh, Paul, everyone remembers their, their first games for me it was my first dodger game was a cup final replay in 93 against Sheffield Wednesday and i think yeah. intrinsically as a kid you remember every single player in in that lineup and and you were part of you know the finals then and then also the following year um in the cup winners cup final you know against Palmer. you you, you mention about sort of remembering big games when you go back uh are they, you know do any of those sort of cup finals stand out more than the other and can you believe that like that cup final success in 1994 was arsenal's last european you know success mm. um and did you appreciate the gravity of what you'd done back then
1: yeah i suppose from all of those finals the um, you know the 89 last game was that wasn't a final but it was the final game of the season that was that was just amazing experience to be part of that um didn't play because I was injured and always always whenever I watch it on t v now it's always a kind of uh, I was injured because I would have played if I was I wasn't injured on against Liverpool um so that one definitely sticks out because of just the nature of that game it, it won't it won't ever be I can't imagine that will ever be repeated uh so that that Liverpool game where we had to win by two clear goals. Um, and then the Palmer, I would say the first one with George in 87, that's because that was the first thing that we won. That was, that was great. George's first year and, uh, Charlie Nicholas scoring the second goal. Yeah. And then Palmer, those three, Palmer, because it is a European and none of us had experienced that. And we wasn't expected to win that game. You know, we we got into that game with players injured and young players coming in and we're playing against some experienced players. You know, some good players. Brolin and then Espria, Zola. They had, a, they had a really top team. So on paper, we shouldn't have won that. <laughs> but uh, that was a great night. A really, truly great night. I remember thinking, and all this is in the book in detail, but I remember thinking the first fifteen minutes of that game, how, how we were three or four goals behind, we they were like just coming at everything <laughs> coming, they're missing those ceilings, tipping it over the bar and everything. But we knew that 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 period was like that period of Arsenal. We knew we just dug in, didn't we? We just like if we could dig in. We knew we'd we'd get a chance. And that was that game. That's that's how it panned out. We got maybe two or three chances. Alan Smith scored just before half time, didn't he? And uh we we just yeah, it was one of we weren't a better team, but we played like a team. We were a better team in a in in organization. That's typical Arsenal that game. Didn't he? Yeah, typical George Graham. George Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. The count. I love your account of the eighty nine, the Liverpool eighty nine game. is brilliant because how you st- you watched it in the crowd. You started watching it in the crowd, yeah. and then ended up by the dugout, didn't you? In the, which is a, yeah. just a fantastic.
1: Um, yeah. So you,
0: yeah. You got, yeah,
1: that's right. So yeah, it's uh, that was amazing because we didn't expect to be in that part of the stand watching the game, but we were. Myself, um, Al Quinn, and Brian Marwood, we were in a red and white ties, smartly dressed up in in our aqua scooter jackets, blue, yeah, dark blue jackets. Um, We're sat in with the fans. It was was, was an amazing experience to be in. They looked after us and made sure we were okay. At the end of the game, they we wanted to get down onto the pitch via just climbing over the railings and walking behind the goal and the, the, the stewards, Liverpool stewards won't allow us. I talk about how our Arsenal fans just just berate. Well, I think they asked them nicely because otherwise I don't think they would have done it. But they asked them nicely, persisted on asking. And in the end, the stewards allowed us to walk in. But we always look back, walk, walk behind the goal and go over to the dugout. But if, not, if, they, if our fans hadn't been persistent, we would have probably gone out off the stadium to go back in, get back round, and would have probably missed the goal. <laughs> so always uh, um, thank our supporters for going after us. But it's a great experience being in amongst them.
2: It's an amazing photo that is is in your book of you looking, as you say, so smart with these these red and white ties. Obviously, just surrounded by. A you know, regular Arsenal fans in, in their colours with their scarves. <laughs> you looked yeah. at a place. I, d- I don't quite think we'd get that today, Boyd. <laughs> I, I like the idea that from no. a final game of the season, that a couple of the players would be uh, in the away end, Would have to ask the stewards really nicely. But it, it's an amazing image. And there are so many nice images here of sort of the, the various successes that you had.
1: But I the know thing you know about supporters there, and I think that, that was another thing that's come out, you know, brought out in the book that, you know, the connection that we had uh, with fans was so visible. And um, we used to know fans by their names um, often um, and recognised recognized and was able to have contact. Um, so that that has been one of the biggest, biggest changes, I think. You know, I don't think the fans are able to get that contact with the players now, that physical that physically close to players, and we were able to do that, so yeah, things like that come out in the book. There's so much that's changed, um, and it's, it's been a yeah, I've been really enjoyed kind of got, reflecting back and, and writing about all this.
0: It's amazing you, you didn't have an agent, um, yeah, you talk
1: about, yeah,
0: which is almost yeah. unbelievable,
1: yeah, think yeah. I think, um, that as well spoke, spoke about speak about agents and. Uh, talk about going into signing first contract. Um, Terry Neal sadly passed away. It was, um, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. Um, he, uh, and also George Graham, you know, I, there wasn't agents in those days. I suppose, you know, the agents started to come in in sort of, uh, eight, 87, we won the Littlewoods Cup. We had agents for the first time. Um, Started coming in, but before then, when I first signed my um, first contract, I think I was just in there on my own. Um, it's like there's no negotiation, <laughs> so, yeah. but you sign your good first good contract good anyway, but you know, after that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah there's lots. Can lots I ask
0: you- just to say about the Glencockle incident, I was reminded of it last night. I don't know if you saw when um, Nunes was sent off for Liverpool for for headbutting for that headbutt. And in the, in the analysis afterwards, Gary Neville was saying how footballers often just have these mad moments, and there's almost no explanation for it. And you say that about the about when you punched Glenn Cockle, that there's no you didn't yeah. there's no explanation for it. You just did it. It just
1: it's, yeah yeah I, yeah it's, it's, it was. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think what happened, I, I explain it in detail in the book, is how how, how I felt I was being unjustly treated by him, mm. by uh, Glenn, and the referee wasn't doing anything. And I continually got frustrated as these incidences kind of mounted up, and it was um, accumulation of things happening. Um and my frustration continuing to build and and then in the second half just just snapping um, um you know regretting what i did um but yeah it's like an accumulation of things that were happening um and yeah just snapping in the end the second half the snapping and yeah it's 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 something that, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing, and it's not—it's not the right thing to do. And yeah. uh, it, it took—it took, you know, and I go into it in detail in the book. But it, you do, yeah. It did. It does. It did change my career without doubt. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and in many ways. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you about your, your. I mean, you became your coaching career. And in, in Mick Arteta's um, Forward, he says this, um, I first met Paul when he was a coach educator with the Professional Footballers Association. And I was studying for my UEFA B in 2015. He personally and successfully guided me through that coaching qualification. And now you're a senior game coach developer with the FA. That's pretty amazing that you had that experience with Mikel, mm-hmm. who... More yeah. and more, I feel, is turning into like everyone says what an amazing coach he is.
1: Yeah, so I've got you know, obviously now I'm biased towards the girl because <laughs> yeah, uh, for, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I've kind of feel as though I'm, I'm uh, a part part of him really. So yeah, that was that was a fantastic thing to be involved in his early development as a coach for me, and uh, you know, that's my role really now as working for a senior. Uh, professional coach developer for the FA um, is helping, supporting players like Mikel coming, transferring out of playing and if they want to go into coaching management to to support them along that. But, so Mikel was one of the first ones, I think, that I got involved with, you know, as a senior player. Um, yeah, from the very off, for me, I could see that. He obviously knows knew the game um, that time. He was still playing. But there's one thing knowing the game, but then you have to piece it all together and work with a group of players, work with your staff, developing all those leadership skills, management skills. And that's what these courses help players with. Um, you'd be surprised, I mean, senior, senior player that played hundreds of games Come away from their playing and try to do their coaching, but don't have the organisation or of, of getting a group of twenty-two players together, or can't communicate what they what they know. You know, there's so many other elements mm-hmm. that that they have to learn. Um, and Mikhail was is technical, and you know you kind of expect that really, but it'd be surprised to be some of of Mikhail's level as a player that aren't able to articulate their their knowledge um but and i think also you know his contact with pep at that time if you if you've got somebody like that you, you know they were they were pretty close and um you can learn off somebody like that there's 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 no better way so yeah, yeah he, he he was he was a great student to be involved with and uh, from then, I, I, I had no doubt he was going to go on and be successful. I didn't know he was going to come back to Arsenal. We've kept in contact all the way through. But...
0: Yeah, um, we, we, we're running out of time. We don't want to keep you too long. You've got a yeah. life to live and everything. But a couple of things I do have to mention: the, the the George Graham situation. Have you? Because you talk about in the book how you thought many times of like just talking to him about it, you know, <laughs> and you know about that period when he ostracised you from the team, basically. Have you had that chance? Do you think you might have that chance still to talk to him about it?
1: Yeah, it's something that I would li- love to do and uh, it hasn't, it hasn't materialised um, yet. Um, but, yeah, I think it would just be nice to sit down and have a coffee. Uh, it's all kind of done now. I think it's kind of, um, under, you know, kind of been sorted. And, yeah, just have a conversation with them because I, I do feel it didn't... We didn't really need to go that far, you know. It's like no. it was really, um, you know, two, two, nearly two years in the wilderness. Where I was anyway, and it was a time where um, I was at my peak, um, and it was hard, it was hard to get through that. It was really, really hard. I don't know how, how I managed it. You know, no, it's, you know it's, you it's, 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 it's such a um, and it has that. You know, it's not like. I'm the only one It's happened. That sort of thing's happen. So you fall out with your manager. um, But when things kind of go on longer than they should, and and maybe I I could have gone to him and said, well, I did actually go to the club and said, if this is going to continue, I need to leave. And they turned it, you know, I actually put in a transfer request. And uh, they said no. So I was stuck. I was just like, uh, so yeah, that was an incredibly difficult time I'll talk about that in detail and I think you do fans yeah. be interested of that area will be interested to to hear that I oh, think because I don't think they
0: kind of 100%, because I, I yeah. as a fan I was a fan wondering why the hell you weren't playing yeah, for so long. Yeah, yeah and you absolutely yeah. go into that and you talk about it and explain it which yeah, you won't we weren't, we don't want to ruin the whole book because there's lots yeah. of interesting and one final thing question for you. Would you what do you think of the fact that Tony Adams is about oh, yeah. to just really come dancing.
1: <laughs> yes um it's pretty amazing really but I know Tony, Tony's we all know Tony he he's he's up for stuff like well clearly um I've never seen Tony dance uh well I have and he wasn't very good <laughs> but um I've got high hopes for him <laughs> I think um he looks well he looks slim yeah he's got he's got the body shape has not he he's nice and yeah. lean yeah so um if he can get all the movements going, then uh, I don't see why he shouldn't do well. That's Tony. Tony. Tony's up for stuff like that, so I was I was surprised. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't normally watch the, that 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 type no. of programme, to be honest. But I might I might dip my head in and have a look. See how you know, he's getting on. I think it starts September, doesn't it?
0: We've got to have a look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got to have a look, have Yeah, I think. Mean, but he's kept
1: he right. looks after himself. I've seen him recently. He looks really slim and. Yeah. He hasn't put way on. Um, so, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: It's course. funny because before we do let you go, I thought the other yeah. really interesting theme of the book, which I won't talk about a lot because you talk about, is like the difference between introverted players. Like, you definitely consider yourself to be introverted, and, and other players like Tony and Ian Wright would come in, and it was such a contrast mm-hmm. when they were bigger, larger than life. That's a really interesting thing because I think it, it, you'll see in the um, documentaries, there's all nothing that Emil Smith-Rowe talks about being, he talk, he's talked about being quite an introverted kind of guy. Yeah. So I think it's, it can make a real difference, can't it? To, to when you... Yeah, I
1: find it really interesting and that, it's kind of something that I, I like to look at and study a bit and, you know, you know, bringing a team together, a football team it's, it's all these different characters and upbringings and um and and you've got to try and work it and make it make everybody feel good about themselves and it's a real it's a real mindful for managers and even for players you know you, there's some players you're gonna just naturally warm to um so yeah the old that old kind of thing about getting a group of people together and getting the best out of everybody is really fascinating. I find that really yeah. really interesting and so you know somebody like Tony and Ian and myself are so, I'm so far away from where they are. They're so far away from where I am in terms of personality. But um, we've got to, we've got to make something happen here. It's not always easy as it may sound, but, you know, um, you know, yeah. So i find all that sort of fascinating, but we, we managed to do it. Um, and then you've got all the others in between, between that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It was
0: good. Yeah. yeah. Um we, we should let you go, but before we do, um just to remind people that Paul's book Arsenal and After is out this week. Every Arsenal fan and non arsenal fan, if you're interested in football, should should buy it. It's fascinating. What, what we every week in the podcast we do, do predictions, Paul, as to what for the next game, and we're playing Bournemouth on Saturday at 5:30. What do you think the score is going to be?
1: Oh well, wow. it's, it's always difficult score lines. I I I fancy well, I'm gonna obviously go for us um um Bournemouth. Uh, did they get on in their first game? I can't remember. What's the Bournemouth, what did they play? In like, Drew, that's a very good question. Uh, their form... Um, uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say uh, 3-1 to us. Cool.
0: 3-1. Yeah, they're actually mid-table, Bournemouth. They're 11th. And they've got three points So, Okay. That's yeah.
2: it's a bit early to start going to the table, <laughs> Boyd. Otherwise well, we're coming runners up. I think you're second early. in the
0: league. Yeah, you got you gotta go for that. What's your prediction, Josh? Uh,
2: I think Arsenal win two one. I do think we can we can go and get a victory. Um yeah, obviously they, they were well beaten uh away at Manchester City, having beaten Villa oh, yeah. on, on the opening day, but um, you know, I think Probably, you know, they'd have taken three points after those two games. Um, so yeah, I think, I think two one. Uh, what, what do you think, Boyd?
0: I'm going to say three nil.
2: Three nil. Um, yeah. Well, look, Paul, uh, just genuinely, thank you so much for for coming on. I mean, Boyd and I are, you know, a, a few years apart. He will remember the entirety <laughs> of your Arsenal career. I remember the the last couple of of years. I'm I'm being sincere here, Boyd. But th- <laughs> those were the years that I developed my huge love for Arsenal. Those was, those was cup finals in '93. Uh, you know, and you know, staying up to watch that game against Palmer is one of my clearest childhood memories and you know, them the world to us. And and I, I suspect there's a fair amount of Arsenal fans who who perhaps don't even know the success you've had after your career and the amount of work you've done with, with the PFA and in coaching and, and how many people you, you've worked with to improve their careers after. And I I really sincerely, you know, echo what Boyd said on everyone, you know, getting the book and in, enjoying it. And uh, I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll they'll be glad that they did. All
1: right, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. I hope everybody, you uh, as a chance to read it and, and, and enjoy it. There's lots there, I think, that, uh, that fans have been asking me about over the years and yeah. I've tried to be as honest as I can. So thanks, final thanks final for having me on.
0: One final thing. Boy, you I said thought... final thing about I know. eight <laughs> times. I've emma- I meant to mention this at the beginning. Your <laughs> birthday is yeah. December the 9th. Is yes, that right, Paul? Same day, so is mine.
1: I mean, uh, what, a, what a Good, what people. A
0: good yeah, people. Good people. <laughs> good Sagittarians. Anyway, thanks so much again, Paul. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, maybe we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. And we'll be Bye back next week. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh? <sighs> ah.